All right, welcome back once again to Rhythms of Grace. My name's Nate. Uh, I'm here with Sung, the lead pastor of Grace Churches, and we're talking about anything and everything that has to do with faith in our lives. But this uh, season, we've been specifically talking about the Enneagram and how our self-knowledge can teach us more about God, how uh, understanding of God leads us to uh, a deeper knowledge of ourselves. And we've been going through the numbers one by one. And today, I have in the studio my two favorite sevens in the entire world. You guys want to say anything? No, I'll just introduce them then. Uh, my wife, Amy, who is a seven, and my oldest son, Gabe, who is also a seven, are here. And if you had any idea how much talking they were doing before the podcast started, you would be astounded at the amount of silence coming from the microphones right now. I just really didn't want to mess up this whole intro thing. I thought there was a way that we had to do this. There is, I mean, this is blind leading the blind here. We have no idea what we're doing. Sounds perfect. Let's go. I'm in. <laughs> Dive headlong. Amy's really, really worried about being recorded. So you shouldn't say that, Nate. I'm just trying to. I, look, we're trying to be honest here. We're trying to be transparent. <clears throat> okay, someone's sleeping on the couch tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sevens are the most boring people in the world. Yep. Nothing going on upstairs with the seven. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> do, you, do you guys want me to stay or not? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, okay. All joking aside. Today we're talking about the seven, which is, they are called the enthusiast, the optimist. The, uh, um, you know, the thing about sevens, and um, man, this is, whew, good luck, Nate. Like, you're in the room with two sevens. Even though, even though I'm an eight, I have a lot of seven yep. in me. I have absolutely, like, consumed enormous amounts of coffee just, like, to prepare myself. For, uh, for this so far. So sevens are usually very extroverted, optimistic. They're spontaneous and playful and high-spirited. They can be also be like really practical, and they get really excited and distracted about uh, things and dreams that they have. And so uh, I am sure as we go on this, before the podcast, we're just joking around how this is going to be like an hour-long podcast because Gabe is going to distract us with every other thing that he could think about. Yeah, I can already just add in that you forgot to mention that sevens are the most attractive out of all the Enneagram types. Like, well, I, I, I think Nate definitely thinks that about Amy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I'm glad you're here, son. <laughs> you know, so one of the key motivations for a seven, and, and I'm curious to see how this plays out in your life, is... The core desires, they just, they want, they want freedom and happiness and they, they want to avoid missing out on like worthwhile experiences and they, they want to just keep themselves occupied, excited, and they actually want to avoid pain. How much does that resonate with you? Can you tell us a little bit about how that looks like in your life? I think I can definitely resonate with the looking for kind of a, a broad set of experiences. I, I remember recently, I think a couple of months ago, I sat down and I decided I was going to make a list of all the things that I wanted to try or all the places I wanted to go at some point. And it ended up just turning into this colossal, I ended up using a spreadsheet, which <laughs> is just awful, but it ended up turning into this colossal spreadsheet with like multiple pages, like, oh yeah, these are all the places. And I remember, I, I remember showing it to one of my friends at the time. And they said, Oh, you literally have every country on here. There, is, there, is, there isn't a country on here that you don't want to go to. And I said, yeah, exactly. I mean, how am I supposed to know what which ones I like better if exactly. I haven't been to them all? So name some of the things that you had on the spreadsheet. Oh, man. Um, 
it was it was pretty broad. It was everything from I've always wanted to learn how to surf. Uh, I'm awful at it. I tried it once and I just ended up getting a bad sunburn. That's, so that should tell you something. Um, things like chess, things like art, all of these different things that I just like, yeah, it looks like it would be so much fun to be good at. I just want to spend some time doing that. Hmm. How about you, Amy? I, I think I resonate with the freedom part of it mm. a little bit more, which for me in my life kind of was evidenced by the fact that I started a business. Mm. And I think part of my motivation for starting a business was that that I I, I like to work for myself. I like the freedom of working mm-hmm. for myself. You don't want a boss telling you what to do. Yeah. yeah. Preach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, when it comes to sevens, like the way, like, let's talk, let's talk about just different patterns of behavior for the seven. Um, I know sevens can, can get easily bored, especially over mundane and repetitive tasks. And yet there are aspects of both your lives that, just because I, I know you both, uh, um, that there are some mundane, repetitive aspects of your life, like, Gabe, you're painting, right? That's pretty mundane and repetitive. And gardening, Amy, like, at least to me, that seems like pretty repetitive and mundane. But, t- like... Uh, She's give me a stare. Like how <laughs> dare she you? Fundamentally disagrees. <laughs> no. So I want. I, I, I'm. I'm curious to peek inside. Like your, the way you see things. Like tell me about that. Like is that true? Like how do you find enjoyment or fulfillment in something that maybe to some might seem mundane? I actually like the like it, when it comes to something like gardening. I actually love it because there's a different like no one again no one is, is sort of dictating the way that it has to be done mm-hmm. and I can kind of hop around from project to project thing to thing a, as I <laughs> feel spontaneously led <laughs> to do so so well, there's I, yeah and I think it's helpful to understand like when we when Amy says garden you have to understand the scope of, of what we have going on like her gardening includes like a 70 tree orchard you know so there's like <laughs> there's really nothing mundane about when you get to that sort of scale, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that gives you a lot of freedom. It does because of the way it's done, which like in our, in our marriage, when we were younger, it caused some conflict, like, because Nate is the type of person that likes to do things a certain way in order. Sequentially, right? Yeah. Yes. So we yeah. would like try to paint a room together and it would. And I'm like this, we start here and she would just start throwing paint on any random wall, whichever wall was and closest. And go to a different room. Oh, for sure. I'd be like, what are, you, what are you doing? Like, there's an order. Yeah. We fought over home repair for years. But we're good at it now. We're actually great at it now. Uh, yeah. As for me. There's there's no one who will painting is definitely mundane. There's just no two ways about it. I'd also like to clarify it's not like art painting. It's like you're gonna turn a barn red painting. Um, uh, and sometimes the ground, and sometimes yeah, the nearby just, trees. It's really, of just kind of start start going for it. Um, I, I definitely it definitely took me a long time. Like I just absolutely hated it for the first I think like couple months that I did it, and it's still not my favorite kind of job in the world, but. Uh, it was definitely something that I kind of just wanted to wanted to keep on getting better at. It's a business that I can make money at, pay for school and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I will say is that what gets me through it 
is audiobooks. Like mm. I can't do it unless I have something to listen to mm. that I that I just start going crazy. So Well, I mean the other thing you did this year is that you have somebody that you're working with. That's true. Yes. I actually I uh, convinced my roommate to move in with me. My college roommate to move in with me in our, our family house and he's a uh, he's now working with me on all the projects we're doing this summer. And that does make it a fantastic. Yeah, yeah it makes a huge difference. So what would be difference. your ideal job, Gabe? Oh my goodness. Uh I actually think that I could really be happy in almost any job as long as it wasn't the same thing every single mm. day. As long as it had interaction with people or travel or some way that you kind of kept on learning. It really doesn't matter much to me what field I'm in as mm. long as there's kind of opportunities for doing new things. And I think for me, I, I don't know if this applies to all sevens, but I'm a very social person. So mm. kind of... uh the same way that I want to travel to many places, I want to meet as many types of people as I can. So like the, the experience of meeting somebody new is just as exciting to me as going to a different country. Um, so that would also be a requirement. Yeah, and usually sevens are uh, socially what they would call assertive versus compliant or uh and so yeah like um maybe assertive sounds strong but the i mean I it doesn't sound right. strong to yeah, me yeah, it no. sounds pretty <laughs> much right on the money sounds, yeah that's, that's a compliment <laughs> <laughs> right it's so funny like what people think is a compliment right because for sevens it's like oh yeah socially assertive yeah that's a compliment i mean i remember even from his earliest age gabe if we took him like to a park or a play structure or something he would meet everyone like he just would from his from the, his very earliest age, he just had this drive to uh, he was talking early, like all just he had this intense drive to communicate kind of nonstop. Yeah, you got to know how to play the room. And if you don't know everybody, in the room, you know <laughs> what to do. like a true seven, <laughs> right? Like a true seven. <laughs> oh, man. Um, here's a question for you, Amy. Like when it comes to conflict style and, and resolving it, how, what's your default as a seven in terms of um yeah, how, how you walk through conflict? I'm not. Sh I'm not sure how much of the way I walk through conflict is related to being seven. Maybe you can help okay. me sort that out. I don't know, but like I think that I think that I'm. I w was relatively conflict adverse growing up, mm. and had a household that kind of um, I wanted to always just keep the peace, make peace. Mm. So I think I'm, I'm like a little bit, was definitely more conflict adverse when I was younger and have gotten better at being genuine in relationships mm. as I've gotten older. I mean, for me, that checks out. Uh, you know, sevens are often trying to avoid pain yep. and conflict is painful. I mean, liter literally, babe, we had this conversation last night <laughs> where you were like i want to send this text but i'm afraid it's going to create more conflict mm. and so you like labored over it for i mean literally like hours almost because you were afraid that it would increase the level of conflict i.e the level of pain that you're experiencing so that feels very sevenish to me again it's not so much about the behavior but it's about the motivation behind it mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. how about you gabe I would not describe myself as conflict averse. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely, when when the idea of avoiding pain and like in like relational conflict specifically comes up, I tend to think of more of just like kind of getting it over with. Like mm -hmm. that's kind of my stance. So I actually at college I work as an RA, and a big part of what you do is conflict mediation. 
And I was on a team of a lot of different people, and we all had very different styles of how we would solve conflict. So while some of peop- some of my uh, coworkers might, you know, really like talk to the people one on one and kind of like figure out exactly what was going on, my my first kind of reaction would almost always be just like put them in a room. It's like the Thunderdome. It's like the Thunderdome. Whenever people were strategy, fighting, the, the first thing we'd do is I'd book out a study room in another building. <laughs> We all just head over there and we just like, we'd just hang out in the study room and just talk until I felt like we were like through it. And okay. two students enter, one student leave. <laughs> so I don't know if I would describe myself as conflict averse, but I definitely like it to be over with quickly. It's okay. like, all right, we're, if we're doing this, we're doing this. We're not going to kind of skirt around it. We're not going to be mm-hmm. passive. We're just going to. It might hurt. It might not be the best way of doing things, but we're doing it. What if there's something that you want um, and, and you're not getting that? Then how do you handle that? This is an interesting question. I feel like my parents might be able to weigh in on a little bit better than me. Um, I think that I tend to be a pretty forceful personality. And if no, <laughs> when, when Gabe was young, very young, he started reading through adult nonfiction books from the library. And one day he brought home one. I swear he was like 10 or 11 years old. It was called negotiate to win. <laughs> <laughs> I think that what that goes to show is just, I tend to have a little bit of a feeling of like, if, if you just kind of keep on trying, just kind of keep mm-hmm. on, keep on pushing at something like eventually something's going to give. That's definitely I've learned the hard way that that's not the best way to handle anything mm-hmm. in a relationship. Like, mm-hmm. but it's it's got its place. And, you yeah. Know. Yeah. I, I think the other thing that I've observed is that you tend to be so optimistic that oftentimes what you end up with, whether you like are rewriting history or whatever, you're kind of like, Oh, this is what I wanted all along. Like there's like, there's this level of optimism that even is sort of reflective. And so I, I just, it strikes me sometimes. Cause I'm like, I don't think, I don't think that's what you wanted, but like by the time it like works its way through whatever you got going on upstairs, you're like, Oh, perfect. Just like I planned. <laughs> I, I do think that's true. I kind of have this, uh, definitely a sense kind of moving through life that just like everything tends to go my way if that makes sense but where where the line is of stuff actually going my way and me just kind of convincing myself that it went my way it's a very it's a very tricky and kind of a definitely a a curved line yeah dude we've been in conversations and uh with like a third party and your mom and i have come away from a conversation and you'll be like that went great they said that blah 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 blah." and i'll be like i i don't think that's what i mean i'm a one i'm like i don't think that's what they said at all i think there's a lot to be worried about here (laughs) yeah so that definitely sounds like conversations i've had with uh amy and well i'll have a conversation with somebody and i'll come home she'll be like how'd it go i'm like oh it went great and then she'll be like i'll ask them how it went yeah yeah (laughs) because and and maybe this is what uh, it's interesting to hear all these different responses because and I think you're hitting on Nate what uh, is a typical seven response when it comes to conflict or when they don't get what they want is they have a positive outlook they see the silver lining in any hardship in any setback and they emphasize the positive in order to avoid kind of the discomfort and the pain of maybe not getting what they want and and so they're constantly reframing how they see the situation Mm. And, and not, uh, Gabe and Amy are both nodding their heads. Are you nodding your head about yourself or about Gabe? No, I think we both do it. Uh, yeah, definitely. Okay. I, yeah, one of the ways that I've seen you do it, 
Rain. I'm sorry, Amy. Uh, that's my nickname for her. Sorry, cat's Rain? out of the bag. Yeah. yeah. Rain. Rain. It's a long story. Okay. Uh, but um, and your sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is like in in your business, you navigate interactions with clients that for me would just be like, this is a disaster. And you're you kind of have a, some of that stuff rolls off you in a way that I just would not be able to sort of. Uh, do on mm-hmm. a on a daily basis, but you're kind of like, yeah, they're really upset. So when they showed up, I just tried to be as cheerful as possible, and I'd be like, I would have tried to like make them pay. And <laughs> <you know? laughs> so tell us about that, Aim, Amy. Sorry, I call my Amy Aim. So <laughs> this is a mess. <laughs> I know. Right? We'll fix it in post production. <laughs> yeah, we actually have seven guests. <laughs> That's right. All of them are named Amy. <laughs> Yeah, so when it comes to like positive outlook, how how does that? I mean, get, Nate gave an example. Are, are there are other example? Like, is there an example you could think of? Like when it be, when it comes to like you and Nate, like maybe fighting about something, and Nate is responding one way, and you just you're just kind of like, oh, you know, there's a positive outlook or optimistic outlook. Mm. I don't know. Can you think of something like that? I don't have any tons. <laughs> Go for it. I, I, I can't think of something off the top of my head. Really? Like, how about the, so? How about when I'm in an argument with Sung? What's the difference between the way that, that I never think about happens. it? Yeah, the way that I tend to view it, and what and the perspective you try to bring. I, I guess I do. I guess I guess that there is a like an al- always reflecting back, like the positive, the positive side of that person, or their positive potential motivations or their positive, you know, even the positivity of that, the conflict happened like that can even be positive. You know, any of that. Yeah. It happens all the time. I'm really thankful for it because like I said, I tend to to worst case scenario eyes all the time, all the time. (laughs) I'm doing it right now. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the vices of a seven uh, in the language that they use is gluttony. And that doesn't mean just food, but there's just this hungering desire for excess in terms of experience, in terms of just, um, it's just like this insatiable desire for new sensations and pleasures, uh, accumulating all sorts of interesting experiences. Like maybe making a spreadsheet of all the countries in the world. Like every country in the world. Hypothetically. (laughs) Hypothetically. Hypothetically. What does that look like for you, Amy? It, it felt like, like when I first read that in an Enneagram book, it said gluttony. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. I don't have that. <laughs> I'm free, you know, but. I'm the highest <laughs> level of seven there is. And then I read the definition of it. And I was like, oh, shoot. So I was like, I, I think that, uh, I think that the, the like the, in, the inability to, um, or, or I guess, let me put it this way, the, the desire to always be doing something new can make a person not live in the present. Mm. For me, that was like a real turning point in, in sort of having the Enneagram be a useful tool in my life because it was for, for, for a lot of years of my life, I was so pining for the next thing that I couldn't be present and enjoy the stage I was at. So I feel like for me, that's one of the ways that Enneagram has been the most useful. Like I'm, I'm now usually pretty aware that, that I'm doing that, that I'm like looking forward instead of living in today. And, um, being present is, is the place for me that I can have 
peace, have joy, interact with other people. And when I'm always in the future thinking about the next thing, I'm missing that. I really, I really mm. can miss that. I see you nodding your head a lot, Gabe. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I love making kind of those overarching plans as to like, oh yeah, this is what the next season of my life is going to look like. These are the things I want to work on. And especially with kind of school where your life is kind of broken up into semesters and summers, like mm -hmm. it's so easy to be either completely focused on the summer and like, oh, I have all these plans for my painting business or for what me and my roommate are going to do or these these trips I want to go on while I'm in school. And then as soon as I'm in the summer, like, oh, here's how here's how next semester is going to go. This is going to be sweet. <laughs> we've, we've got all these plans uh, and you can definitely get caught up in that cycle 100 percent where it's like if i spend all summer you know trying to figure out what i want to do next semester right and then, none and then of you're like oh summer went by yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. i mean i can reflect like being in a relationship with sevens mm -hmm. that, that and amy and i have talked about this <clears throat> but sometimes that can leave me feeling sort of like unseen a little bit because i'm like whatever i'm doing right now is not nearly as sort of um uh, appealing as like the next thing you know um, and I mean, again, we talk about that quite a bit, uh, when it happens and it happens less and less. Um, but that was one of the early things that I felt about our marriage was I'm like, man, she's always got a plan with somebody else or for next week mm. or somewhere else. And I'm kind of like, you know, holding down the fort here. Um, so she's smiling and nodding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it, it doesn't really happen. Uh, it doesn't happen hardly at all anymore, but, mm. but it was an early part of our marriage for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other example I'll put out there on that front is that we moved our garden every single year for, I think, literally like a decade. Like the entire <laughs> she garden. She's shaking her head. She's <laughs> already. No, I'm shaking my head. No. This is so, like literally every year it'd be like, ah, oh, that wasn't good. Let's, let's try it here this it year. It wasn't in the right spot. Yeah. There was always a better option. So it wasn't until like three or four years ago that our garden actually stayed in the, in the same place for two years in a row. <laughs> Uh, typical seven. <laughs> so speaking of that, like when you think of relationships or uh, within a relationship, something that somebody may say or do or not do, what are some things that trigger you? Like a roommate says this or doesn't do this and you're like, oh my goodness. Gabe? Yeah. Or maybe mm. a parent, hypothetically. <laughs> Don't answer that. <laughs> Off limits. This is all getting cut out. <laughs> That's right. We're going to cut this whole section. Um, I, that's, that's actually somewhat of a difficult question for me to answer because I think that I tend to have just an immensely easygoing personality. Mm -hmm. um, in general, when I get frustrated with another person, there's kind of that cliche saying, the things you... you hate about other people or the things you hate about themselves. I can totally get frustrated when other people kind of are displaying like, I guess what you'd call hardcore seven qualities. Like I can be very frustrated like when what? people like uh, a lot of trouble remaining focused or like, like kind of flaking out on stuff or those sort of things really annoy me. Cause it's like, Oh, like I'm working super hard on this. I'm committed to this thing right now. Like I've decided that, at least for now, I'm invested in this project. <laughs> why, why can't you do the same? At least for now, is yeah, the it key is. Word. It really is the key word there. Um, so that can be that can be frustrated. Other than that, though, I would I would say I think a, this is, this goes back to kind of the silver lining sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I, I tend to just kind of assume the best about people, and mm -hmm. that that leads to less um, 
less maybe just like annoyances. But then again, as soon as something kind of hits home a little bit, reminds me of me, I can totally be like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's awful. Who would ever be like that? (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Amy? What triggers you? Uh, I think sometimes like rigidity in in sometimes either <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for rigidity's sake or rules for rules sake can be something that that is uh it's hard for me to deal with i i'm happy to follow like rules that make sense to me or that fit a larger again like the big picture mm-hmm. um but when when it feels like needlessly overly structured or or rigid that that really can set me off mm-hmm and again, one thing to note there too, the rigidity, it's going to the core desire of wanting freedom. Mm-hmm. And so when mm-hmm. your freedom is restrained, and again, let's, rem- let's remember the Enneagram speaks to like, some of you may be listening to this and be like, oh yeah, I'm playful and this and that, but you may not be a seven because your core desire is different. The core desire of a seven is freedom, happiness, spontaneity. And when yeah. that is restricted or somebody, or, or they're told to do something and, th- and then again, th- they could they could do it, but if they if there's a sense of like, okay, you are confining me, mm-hmm. that can trigger a seven. Gabe, do you, this just happened. Do you remember when you weren't feeling well and I was like, you got to go get a COVID test? Oh, man, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was and you were literally, what, you remember what you said? I, I think I said something along the lines of, I would be happy to get a COVID test. I just wanted you to ask me to go. Yeah, and you test. were just mad because I told I, you instead of asking you. Thing. Like, I'm, I'm always up for getting COVID tests. You got tested all the time at school. all the time at school. Like, just that was what we did. We were all on, on staff, so we were getting tested all the time. I don't, I don't care if it's just like, oh, yeah, you should go and get a COVID test because you were exposed. Not a problem, but just kind of being like, up, oh, pack, pack up, we're going. <laughs> yeah, you're so mad. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely, I can definitely speak towards uh, rules or kind of, as I like to call them, guidelines. <laughs> that All rules are guidelines. <laughs> as I like to call them. <laughs> that don't the make. The speed guideline. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that don't make. Traffic guidelines. Things like no trespassing signs. Like, what is that? Who, um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a recommendation. It's a request, really. They can definitely be. Uh, the feeling isn't that the rule isn't there for no reason. The the. Pr- the feeling is just that it doesn't apply to you. Like you, it's, you can mm-hmm. always find a way that it's like, uh, I can see why that's a good rule. I understand why <laughs> speed limits make sense. Like if you try for everyone else, I mean, I think they're both wing eights, which is actually part of what I think we're like venturing into right I, now. I know. There's so much here that I'm like, Oh my goodness. I'm like, I, again, I have so much seven too. Yeah. Cause like, you're like yep. an eight wing seven. Yes. Right. And I think they're both seven wing eights. So yeah. there's a lot of overlap. I, I mean, there are literally days and nights when I'm sitting at a specific stoplight here in Ann Arbor where like there's literally no cars around and it is one of the slowest moving traffic. Lights. I even know it when you're talking. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you do. And, I, and and sometimes it's when Amy's in the car, and I'm just like, boop. <laughs> you know, what does boop? What does boop mean? Song exactly? Are you about to confess to a crime? Well, you know, a- Amy, as, she, she as, would, a, as she a joke, would, song might break traffic laws occasionally. <laughs> Amy, she would sit there the entire time. Uh, there's no question. <laughs> There's no question. I use that time for like something like self-reflection or. <laughs> oh man. That is funny. You know, and again, I, I, one of the things about a seven that's really um, 
a virtue and really good in relationships. And we're just doing this, laughing and just kind of, you know, is is really joy, the freedom that they bring. They focus on um, optimism, being inspiring and making the world a better and happier place. And I know that Gabe, like when you left for college, um, there was a whole kind of missing in your family. Um, and, and so I think that's some, something that sevens bring. Uh, speak to that, Nate and Amy, about like Gabe's absence in, in the family system. I've done a lot of talking, babe. Go <laughs> for it. I, I mean, it's interesting when Gabe's home, like there's this dresser that we have these games sitting on. And when Gabe's home, like games are played like almost 100% more than when he's not home. Like he just kind of... I think inspires the other kids and mm-hmm. us to do things that are more fun. Mm. So it's, it's a, it's a really good quality. Also just the way he relates. It's not just like the things he does, but the way he relates is very, it's, it's like jovial. It's, re- it's very fun. So it's, go on. <laughs> <laughs> we all, yeah, I think we all enjoy it when he's home. Yeah. I, I mean, the same is true of you, Amy, like when you're, so we eat dinner all together, uh, every night and you when mean with your, with your yeah, family, your parents, my parents, and when we have someone living with us and, and when you're, when you're not there, <laughs> like, like we kind of all eat and then it's kind of like, <laughs> I've been waiting to use that button for a long time and that was a perfect opportunity but there is the feeling like there's something about having one of the two of you at the table yeah. that they generate conversation yep. there's you know? a gregariousness and a sociability that I think brings other people out Yep. right because I've been around that table and I think oh okay a one a one a six and it's like oh yeah you throw in a seven or two there and, and all of a sudden it's just like oh yeah. all this interaction yep. and everyone's jumping in you know, so what are the ways, you know, given that we've ta- painted the seven in, in these ways, what are spiritual practices that you have found to be most helpful um, in countering your natural impulses? Personally, I think that learning, I guess you'd call them just disciplines in general, are some of the most kind of helpful sort of things. Like really, there's there's stuff that I just... I. I, I wouldn't hate is a very strong word, but I almost said that. about spiritual disciplines. I hate so, reading yeah, the Bible. I hate, I hate praying, praying so much. I'm on, on a spiritual podcast here, but yeah, like, there are <laughs> things like like daily journaling or even like oh, trying to that. do things like um like oh like we're a more meditative form of prayer. Just sit quietly for a little while and just kind of meditate on the scripture, and it drives me nuts. I just I just can't stand it. <laughs> Sorry, Jesus. But it's probably the very... <laughs> sorry, 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 Jesus. Sorry, Jesus. You hear this one, Jesus. <laughs> uh, but, but kind of there's a lot of value in choosing something like that and actually sticking to it. And I almost always find myself actually a lot happier when I'm living uh, according to a schedule or according mm-hmm. to like a set of kind of disciplines, whether that's like, oh, like I have a really strong exercise routine right now or a really strong kind of like... Um, a strong daily schedule for how I'm operating. Like I always almost find myself happier in those sort of things. And the same thing really does apply to spirituality. Like it's, uh, it's as much as I wish that it could be the sort of thing where it's just kind of like, yeah, I'd interact with this when I feel like it, yeah. when it feels right, you know, a bunch of my friends are going to this worship night. So of course I'll go along. It's going to be a great time. Like the real kind of helpful thing is kind of putting in that work. I think. Yeah. I think for me, um, the avoidance of pain 
was something I don't think I was aware, self-aware of how much I was doing when I was younger. And as, as Gabe said, like sitting quietly being meditative is something that allows all that pain to come up. Hmm. So I think there was a part of me that was just avoiding that, that quiet, that downtime, that boredom, if you will, like where there's just space and solitude, um, for years, like even like what were devotional times, I was like filling up so that that kind of painful stuff didn't necessarily come to the surface. And as I, as I got older and a little more self-aware, I've, I've actively tried to engage with that every day, like every day having some time where I am quiet and alone and not filling the time up so that stuff that is um, happening on a deeper level, because I think sevens can be, at least I can be, really externally focused, like always aware of everybody else, always aware of the environment and the situations around me, highly, highly intuitive and aware of that stuff. But um, without without practicing um forms of mindfulness or meditation, it can be much harder to be that intuitive and that aware of what's going on inside. Mm-hmm. So as I've gotten older, I've, I've tried to be more disciplined about incorporating that. And, and when f- I'm feeling pain, just, just letting that be pain, like letting painful things be painful mm-hmm. um, instead of always trying to spin it positive. Um, there are times to just let it be, be painful and allow God to meet me in that pain as opposed to acting like it's not painful. I think one of the things that I've observed with you, Amy, and, and just to like, just to brag on you, you have one of the deepest, richest internal lives and sort of spiritual practice lives that of anyone that I know. Um, but one of the things that I've seen, especially in the past couple of years is that as you spend more time sort of introspective, that informs kind of your, like you were saying, your intuition and your observation of people outside. And it feels like your wisdom has increased exponentially. That's legitimately, as I've watched, like, oh man, because you have, you have so many like outward facing feelers, Mm -hmm. the more that God is sort of informing and inhabiting the way that you see your, your ability to see the truth of a situation or a relationship or a, you know, or a person's need, it feels like it's grown exponentially. You know, so thanks, babe. Yeah, so that's one of the ways that I the couch. Yeah, that's right. I've made it back. (laughs) I'm on the stairs. Uh, So that's one of the ways that that kind of counteracting um, sort of the natural inclination of a seven actually, in the long run, empowers the gifts that a seven brings to a situation Mm -hmm. or a relationship. Mm Yeah, exactly. I think slowing down for seven is good because they're constantly wanting and needing stimulation. Slowing down. And again, like you were talking about, Amy, about like silence and just like, you know, it's not about filling time, you know, because it's not just about stopping because you could stop, but your mind could still be like thinking about the future Mm -hmm. or planning for the next trip somewhere around the world, Gabe, or, you know, but just really just being still and being grounded in the here and now. I think that's an important practice for a seven. Um, So, like, what are some final words you would say to two, two sets of people? One, uh, what, and I want to hear from both of you for, for both of these. What would you say to, to somebody who has a seven in their life? 
Like just You're give, welcome. <laughs> just give them counsel. <laughs> and what would you say to a fellow seven about how to become the person that God wants them to be or whatever it is? So let's start off with what would you say to somebody who has a seven in their life? I'm taking notes. I just want to be clear. I think that... I think that having again just the most important thing is a strong under <clears throat> a strong understanding of the fact that at the end of the day like a 7 is a lot of their behaviors that might look super healthy or super positive can be very uh, rooted in some form of escape. Mm-hmm. I think that that recognizing that and kind of recognizing that uh, like why are you always looking for something new? Mm-hmm. Why have you, you know, been interested in 43 different things over the past two weeks, like recognizing that those can actually very much be a form of running away Mm. from something, you know, more and more painful, or maybe there's something you're super anxious about. I think that that's probably, I think if you were to kind of take one thing away, Mm. that would be it for me. Okay. So that's something you would say to somebody with a seven in their, in their life. Yeah. Somebody with a seven in their life. I mean, it goes both ways too, right? Yeah. As a seven, like to observe your own behavior and what might feel sort of like inspiring or engaging or exciting could, could be masking yeah. pain avoidance. Yeah. 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 How about you, Amy? Mm, I think, I think another aspect of being a seven is that there is a spontaneity to a seven that is is really life-giving sometimes when I've been in a low place I actually plan times to be spontaneous if that makes any sense you did that during quarantine uh, yeah during Lent I had like specific times of um, where I was like you know it's it's like having adventure, having spontaneity in my life is, it's not just like, it's not just for kicks always. It's actually really life-giving. Mm-hmm. So it's, it having like just a day, an afternoon where I plan to go to an art museum I've never been to before will meet a need in me that is significant. Mm-hmm. So sometimes um, creating space for that, having, and, and almost recognizing that that is a real thing. It's like a real need that Mm -hmm. I have when it's, when, uh, like speaking of quarantine, when we were like really not leaving ever, Yeah, like that was, I mean, that was, that was hard. That's, Mm -hmm. that's a hard place to be. Yeah. So speaking to those with sevens in their lives, just recognize that and allow space and time for that because it does fill a need just like for other types, other things fill a need for them, whether it's order or anything else, you know, like that, that is a need for sevens. And it, and it doesn't mean necessarily discontent like with, right. with you, I'm speaking to someone who has a seven in your <laughs> life. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean discontent with you or the circumstance. It literally is just a part of a sevens makeup that they need to feed and, does bring a lot of benefits. I mean, how boring would the world be without sevens, right? <laughs> be awful. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say to a fellow seven? Or let's say, Gabe, what would you say to your younger self? Wow. My, my younger self had a lot of problems that weren't rooted in being a seven. Like, <laughs> brush your teeth more. Dude, like, get on top of that stuff. Put your shirt on the right yeah. way. Uh, well, maybe it does, because you would say that to your younger seven. You'd be like, stop telling me what to do. Yeah, you can exactly. ask me to use deodorant, but don't tell me. I got stuff to do. Who's got time to, to put their shirt exactly. on the right way? Uh, I think to my younger self, recognizing that 
I think again, going going kind of the other way on what I said earlier, I, I've actually noticed this even more recently with myself is that if I ever find myself like really being drawn to take a trip somewhere or something like that, like I'll like uh, Iceland has been on my mind a lot recently. Not mm. completely sure why, but it's a good it's a good thing to be on your mind. <laughs> exactly, it's a fantastic country. <laughs> but anyway, um, like recognizing that, oh, like I I really feel the need to just do something different, just anything different is uh is can in a lot of ways be a warning sign that like there's there's some internal work that needs to be done or there's actually it's it's a sign of um what what I'm looking at as like a want for adventure can actually be not going somewhere new isn't going to fix this mm-hmm. it's it's actually just a dissatisfaction with something internal that I need to kind of work through or I need to uh, talk to somebody about so I think I think recognizing that and kind of saying oh maybe you don't need to join another sports team or pick up a new interest or anything like that uh, and, and recognizing that instead maybe there's something you're anxious about or something like that is a is, is a, something that I would say to myself. Mm. Can I ask you a specific question, Amy? Mm-hmm. Um, h- how would you how would you speak to a seven who, because both of you sort of said like, hey, the best way to engage in spiritual practices is sort of like these r- disciplines. And I feel like for a seven hearing that, they're like, well, if I could do that, I wouldn't be asking what to do, you know? How do you get from sort of someone who feels the need to like always be doing something new or trying something new? How does someone like that build in sort of consistent daily or not even daily call them regular spiritual practices that, that sort of bears the fruit that the two of you talked about? Um, I'm, I'm not 100% how that happened in my life, but I think that one of the things that is a reality is that sevens are very motivated by people. Mm. So having those things be relational in any way possible is helpful. Uh, Even for myself, I have a spiritual director that I meet with, and I've met with her for at least probably 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And so just knowing that there's a monthly phone call with someone who's going to check in with me and and ask me specific questions and that I'm going to um, engage with in that way is, is like a relational way to stay on track. So I think as much as I can, I, I do have some relational checkpoints like that. Yeah. I mean, there's one other thing that I was thinking of that I was hoping maybe you could uh, expound on, but like you have a pretty specific way of engaging with sort of your inner life in the morning. Mm -hmm. Like you're often reading a book, but you don't necessarily read a book the way other people read books. Like, can you, can you, I don't. I, I mean, what I've observed is that sometimes you'll read like three sentences and sometimes you'll read like a chapter. Like for me, if I'm reading a book or if I'm doing like devotions, it's like, I'm going to read three chapters a day, every single day for the next seven months. But that's not really how you do it. Yeah. That, I mean, that even speaks to like having spontaneity in the way I read because it's, it's sort of like this feeling of I'm going to read until I've read something that, that is significant that I can kind of hold on to for the day. So that might happen in sentence one and that might happen a chapter in, but I just kind of don't put a lot of structure or rules around that. And that allows me. I don't understand what you're saying right now. (laughs) Saying it for years. Chapters are guidelines. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and even the books that make the most sense to me usually are um, often biographies or like very, again, people intensive, like some, like someone's life, um, 
I'm engaging with someone else's life as a friend. So a lot of the people that feel like mentors are people that died a long time ago um, for mm-hmm. me. You know, they're, they're real to me. Yeah, that's good. That's a good way. Yeah, and I think uh, one thing for sevens, just talking about disciplines too, and Gabe, you touched upon this, but uh, sometimes for a seven, discipline at first sounds like something just really off-putting. But as you've discovered, both of you and many people listening too, discipline actually brings a greater level of freedom on the other end. Mm-hmm. And and Gabe, you talked about a happiness in your weightlifting thing that uh, imagine like, you know, if you were to default to like, oh, I don't want the discipline of that. Like you may feel quote unquote free and, and happy, but like it, it's you get stuck in this kind of like, just, you know, you're not as uh, healthy and active and, and you don't f- you don't feel as much energy. So there's a different kind of freedom on the other side of discipline. Yeah, 100 percent. I think that uh, one thing that's another thing to recognize about sevens is that we actually tend to, I'm speaking for a larger group of people here than just myself. But I've noticed in myself and my friends who are sevens that we tend to be incredibly habit focused. It's really easy to form positive habits and it's also really easy to form negative habits. And that shows up in all sorts of ways, whether that's, again, escapism can really look like a habit in gambling or or substance abuse. Like Mm -hmm. that's a very common pitfall of the seven kind of archetype, but at the same time, kind of figuring out how to harness that for for more disciplined more kind of focused things even if it seems like unnecessary kind of guidelines uh it's really really helpful mm-hmm. yeah there, there was one thing that i i heard you um say about the way that you exercise or eat or something like that which is like my only long-term plan is that i'm going to have lots of short-term plans and even that is really like a seven way of building a discipline or a habit in mm-hmm. you know yeah, we were talking about the kind of semester goals or something like that, but I will never I will never make a fitness or diet or even like a study plan that is longer than I would say uh, a couple eight, weeks. eight to 12 weeks <laughs> is the longest I've ever done anything where yeah. just it's kind of that's about as long as I'll be able to maintain like a strong level of interest in it. And then after that, kind of changing it up is a really helpful way, even if your general habit is exercise. Yeah. Doing something new every every couple of weeks is Again, a great way of doing it. Similar to how uh, my mom, Amy, reads. Like mm-hmm. having having kind of a larger plan and then just being able to change that up however you feel like is a great way of... It's still a habit, even if it's not as traditional as like what you might think of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like doing the same thing every day, to, you know, years in or years yeah, out. For sure. Thing. Yeah. And Nate, you're probably the opposite. I need one plan that'll last me for the rest of my life. I mean, I, like look at my shirt. <laughs> I wanted a shirt that I could wear in 99% of my life situations. And then once I picked that, I've literally worn this same shirt with a brief call it wandering in the wilderness where I wore blue denim, which I regret. Uh, I've, I've worn this red plaid for like going on like four or five years. It's because your wife needed variety. She did. She actually, that is so funny because that's actually what happened is that when my red shirts wore out and I was going to get, I was like, time to get some more red shirts. She was like, um, could we, could we, could we try a different color? And I did it. It's so funny. And I immediately regretted it. But then I was like, I bought these shirts. Now I got to wear them. Darn it. So I like being the one I'm like, I wore them for like two years, just like, just gutted it out every day. And then in the midst of COVID, when I was feeling really down, I was like, I got to go back to the red plaid. Like I need to. <laughs> COVID when you're feeling down. 100% dude. Oh, when I had really bad days in quarantine, I would pull a red plaid out and I put it on. It was just like putting on an old friend. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man, my family thinks I'm crazy, but it works. Every type thinks other types are crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, any any ground that we didn't cover that um, that the two of you feel like would be important or or helpful or is kind of a, a, a like a real core part of who you are, or how you operate that we didn't that we didn't cover yet. No, I think we covered pretty much everything that I can think of. Really? Okay, great. No, that's great. That's great. You got stuff, Gabe? You know everything about sevens now. If you're listening <laughs> to this podcast, you're an expert. <laughs> you can now tell other sevens what they should do. You you could be a seven after listening to this podcast. <laughs> that's right. We turn, we've turned you, we've I, turned I want you, you to a seven. If you listen back, everything I gave was an instruction. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> this is the roadmap to happiness. Well, thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day to be here. It's been great to talk to you. And uh, next week, we're going to talk about eights. And this means that we're going deep into the recesses of Sung's mind. Oh, man. You're going to see how flawed I am. We are all terrified. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But that is going to be at our next episode. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you check us out next week.